inescapable love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 13 of Goblet of Fire, Mad-Eye Moody, in which it's the first day of class, and Ron and Harry lament over somehow a double class of divinations is something that the school thought was a good idea. Mm. Hermione is spending all her free time on her new special interest of house elf rights, even though the guys don't bother asking exactly what has gotten her queen so excited. On their first day, they have Herbology, squeezing out some goth succulents, care of magical creatures with the most disgusting things imaginable, and working on star charts with Trelawney to the joy of every queer kid who is currently in divinations. <laughs> While they wait for dinner, Draco is, of course, being a little shit to, to Ron and Harry, and he attempts to curse Harry behind his back. And for the first time in, like, four books, an adult sees this. Unfortunately, it's fake Moody who turns Malfoy into a ferret as punishment. McGonagall sees this, understandably freaks out, and, put an en- and puts an end to this cruel and unusual corporal punishment. Ron, however plans to keep this memory forever yep yeah before we get into it i want to thank our newest reviewers casey coleman hogwarts 730 mayra pdr and nadia calmly crafts excellent and i would like to thank two new people who have donated to us devin and ava thank you so much thank you all right and with that we are going to have today's headlines Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. New Year, same subpar education. <laughs> and now we turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. I uh, just want to just point out that Harry must spend a lot of time studying Draco across the Great Hall to know that he receives a regular package of dessert from his mom. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to throw that out there. For everyone to think about for a minute. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I also want to point out about that, or ask about that, I guess. Why is Draco getting sweets from home as if Hogwarts doesn't have an abundance of incredible desserts every single day? Um, Maybe he's just bougie like that. Only wants, like, French macarons from, like, France. <laughs> or, like, some elaborate, ridiculous thing that uh they're not serving at hogwarts all right yeah that makes sense um so hermione's super correct that harry and ron should have dropped divination what are they doing calculating star charts using math that no one knows how to do (laughs) and also you don't have your birth time so i'm like what are you guys even doing Yeah, yeah. I guess if the only other class being offered at that time is arithmancy, it might feel easier to be in a, like, slacker class like Divination. Yeah. 
Hogwarts. I mean, once again, they could have just been taking muggle studies, but I guess it's not at a time that would make sense to have your elective. Right. Um, speaking of divinations, I just want to say that Trelawney's little speech about the star charts is like a more pretentious and less fun Chenny Nichols. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) Um, Do you have it? I don't know if I remember it well enough. Ooh, uh, I highlighted it in my notes. She says, My dears, it is time for us to consider the stars, the movements of the planets, and the mysterious portents they reveal only to those who understand the steps of the celestial dance. Human destiny may be deciphered by the planetary rays, which intermingle, dot, dot, dot. Harry's already spaced out, so he doesn't know what what the rest of it is. Yeah, you're totally right. (laughs) that's great um so something that i realized when hermione was talking about professor vector is that in the last chapter when harry is describing the head table and being like here's all the teachers and where they're sitting both professor vector and whoever's teaching muggle studies are not there and we know that trelawney doesn't eat with the rest of them so it makes sense that she's not there but like what where are the rest of the teachers I don't know. Maybe they, like, go home for dinner. Isn't home Hogwarts? I don't know. I mean, if you can, I mean, if you can apparate, like, who's to say you can't just, like, apparate and then come back the next day? I mean, I agree. It just seems like all of the teachers live on the grounds for some reason. Yeah. It really doesn't make any sense that we don't even have a description for Vector. So I know, that's true. I don't think Harry has ever seen Professor Vector. <laughs> but he's taken astrology, like, every year. Oh, you're talking about Sinestra. No. Okay. You're right. Vector is the one who teaches... Arithmancy. Arithmancy. But if there's like... If there's arithmancy for every year, third year and up, I guess you... No. I mean, if it's... They they could just teach like one class a day. So maybe they do just like apparate onto campus and just teach their one class and then go home. They're like adjuncts, only hopefully better paid. Yeah. Uh, I do want to just mention the very ridiculous Uranus joke in this chapter. Mm-hmm. That is both incredibly juvenile and also a little bit like, kind of can't believe this. They left this in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like every single child who is reading this book has heard this joke. That's true. Yeah, especially because when it came out, I don't think anyone was at that moment trying to pronounce it as Uranus, which they tried for a while to get kids to stop making that joke. But it's like, that's just a different joke. Like, what are you doing? I mean, truly it is. <laughs> truly it is. There's no good option here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm actually done with this section. Uh, I have some more things. Um, so I just want to point out that as we as we all know, but it's really holiday here, that Malfoy is really not the kind of kid, like he can, he can, uh, he can't take what he dishes out. Oh, I know. Like the moment Harry says a like, it's a like, I'm the love of like a yo mama joke, yeah. basically about Draco's mother. He's like, how dare you? <laughs> and it's like, bro, what have you been doing the past like three minutes? Are you shitting me? Like, don't. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. This is, if you didn't want this heat, you shouldn't have been starting to talk shit for no fucking reason. Uh, like, you, like, weak, pathetic, 
little creature. Like, seriously, dude? I know. I know. His reaction is, like, shocked that Harry would say that. And it's, Draco, come on, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how that works. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um. All right, so I have two things. Two more things. Just... I just also want to talk about the just sheer comedy of McGonagall like walking down the stairs and being like, what is going on? And Moody being like teaching and her being like, I'm sorry, is that a student? And him being like, yeah, what do you want to say? Uh And it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it is very funny to me, this whole scene. Yeah. I mean, their back and forth is very funny to me. Yeah. I... Fake Moody is very sassy, and I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, And my last thing is that at the very end of this chapter, we have Ron talking to the twins and Lee Jordan. And the way the dialogue reads, I'm like, y'all are very stoned. Y'all are so fucking high. (laughs) And then you rolled up into into dinner, and you're like, yeah, man, like, like, Mad-Eye is so cool. He just, like, knows stuff, you know? And I'm like, y'all are so baked. Yeah. (laughs) You ever go to Defense Against the Dark Arts on weed? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I love it for them. They're clearly having the best time. Yeah, agreed. So they're definitely going to eat four kind of kinds of potatoes. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. I know. Oh man. <sighs> Welcome to the education section, where we talk about this goddamn school. (laughs) So, I love Hagrid. Hagrid should not be a teacher, or else she should have to submit lesson plans to McGonagall for approval. She's still learning, you know, how to be a teacher. She didn't go to teacher school. I just feel like there should be some sort of supervision if this is going to be her job. Because, like... Draco is super correct that these scroots are not something they should be spending their time on at all. They presumably care of magical creatures is like an important class that teaches them things that might be useful for a future like job that they could have. Right. Or even just things that they might come across in the wild and need to know how to deal with. Right. This is it's bad. I'm very upset about it. So I have a theory about this. Okay. My theory is that Hagrid brought these eggs, these mysterious eggs, on a discount. No, from she the bred hot them. Head. Is that what she says? Yeah, that's what she tells uh, Rita. Or if she didn't breed them, then she knows what they are. They're like a mix between manticores and something else. But I'm pretty sure she bred them. All right, never mind then. Yeah. Yeah, whatever these unholy abominations are, I mean, Hermione is right. Just drop them into the sea. Like, yeah, this is, it's very, it's a very bad way to run a school. It's apparently bad enough to make my voice crack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you have here? Okay, so this is something that that has come up in Escape from Reality. Mm -hmm. And maybe not so much in this book. Which is the idea that the part of the problem with magic as a whole is that magical people grow up thinking that, like, the magical way is just, like, better and automatic when it's kind of like, you don't necessarily have to be like that. Famously, of course, Agatha 
and carry on is sort of just like just use tape why do you need like a fucking spell to stick into the wall fucking use tape right and i think part of this problem is that it limits the thinking of magical kids into thinking that like all right well i'm being taught that if i say a word and move my wand like that's gonna that is the create that's the correct magical output that i should be and obviously we see in this book that's not just all there is to magic mm-hmm if Snape was a teacher that anyone could credibly be like, yeah, potions is real cool. That would kind of be another way where it's like, obviously it's not just waving your wand. And I really think that for me is that it really is encapsulated in this anecdote that Madame Sprout says about some kid who cursed their acne off Mm. and obviously fucked up their nose. Right. And of course, the first question is, why would you curse your acne off? Like of all of the... The things you could be doing to get rid of your acne, I think pointing your wand at your face (laughs) seems like a bad idea. Yeah. And it's like, clearly it's like, it didn't even occur to you to not use your wand to do this. Right. No, that's such a good point. And I'm just like, clearly shampoo and hair products still exist in this world. No one's like, you know, pointing their wand at their hair to be like lay it down all like like you like you have stuff like you have like potions and creams and stuff just get a cream (laughs) right totally yeah and so i'm just like i just feel like this is a problem of a larger issue that like hogwarts isn't at all even trying to correct and i get that like there's obviously basics and structures you should you should learn like foundations you should learn to build upon your like education but like this girl could have fucked up her entire face right you know? Totally, yeah. I'm just deeply upset by this. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a good thing to be deeply upset about, and I think something that we should definitely pay attention to moving forward also, of, like, ways that we see people just, like, turning, turning to magic immediately when there's a fairly uh, simple or safer alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have to talk about Moody turning Draco into a ferret. Yeah, I guess... Either do either in politics, but yeah, let's talk about it now. Something that I really honed in on in this is that they have a policy against doing this, which means that at some point they didn't have a policy against doing this, you know, which is wild. I mean, considering the school, I think it's and the like lack of oversight that any of the teachers have. I'm actually not totally surprised no. by that. Yeah, just like the horrifying implications of that is, it, it is just, it's its own horror movie. Yeah, it is. It, especially if you have like a teacher like Snape who just like outwardly just didn't like you for no fucking goddamn reason. It's just like, actually, I think you're going to spend the entirety of your like evenings, I don't know, as a goat. I was imagining him turning Neville into a toad. But just like, right. And I'm just like, you just, and obviously it's like, Regardless of what you think, being a goat for an evening sounds awesome. It's like, it's still against your will as a punishment. And and the fact that somehow there's this, like, apparent mental disconnect that's like, well, because you're an animal now, I can bash you against the floor, which I couldn't do if you were still in person form. Mm-hmm. Which, that doesn't make any sense, actually. Like, you shouldn't throw ferrets on the ground repeatedly 
even like any more than you should throw children on the ground <laughs> repeatedly like that's fucked up yeah and i mean we know now that this is because this is a literal nazi who is doing this in under the guise of watching out for harry potter but it's just like this is a huge red flag y'all i i think he's doing something that he correctly believes real moody would do yeah which even more horrifying we thought is that this was that transforming students into animals was only banned recently Mm. if like maybe it's a like okay i know you're old and they did that back in your hogwarts days but we don't do that shit anymore Ooh, that's a yeah that's a good point because, like, McGonagall's like, didn't Elvis tell you that we had given detention? And he's like, yeah, I guess we went over that. But she's not like, it isn't any more expounded. And, of course, it's, like, fun of, like, except this is in front of, like, 80 children who are like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, in the background. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. She's alarmed, but not as alarmed as she should be, <laughs> considering what's happening. She's pretty good at keeping it together, though. Yeah. She's good under pressure. Yeah. Uh, what do you have... Oh, um, just because I remember we talked about this in an earlier episode. Don't ask me which one. But there's a bell after Herbology or when Herbology is over. And I'm like, we were just asking about this. Do we ever hear from this bell ever again? That's a great. Yeah, I also noticed that. I was like, weird. I mean, and they didn't have bells at my high school. So I think I think it's weirder than maybe people who did have bells. I haven't experienced a bell since middle school. But I don't know if we had bells, but I think like we had like an intercom system that might have given off a noise. But I think having a bell makes sense if you're in this like ginormous castle where there isn't a PA system. <laughs> I I just feel like like college professors look at a clock. Like it's That's not true. I mean I you know, there aren't bells in college to signal the end of class. You just keep an eye on the clock that's always hanging, you know, opposite you in the room so that you can see it. And you're like, cool, we're wrapping up. Which also would help a lot with the problem that they always display in like every TV show and movie where kids are in class where the pref- where the teacher is in the middle of a lesson and then the bell rings and they're like, "Here's your homework. Bye." It's like, oh man, if you paid attention to the clock, you could like wrap up your lesson in time for the end of class. This is actually also interesting is that we like we never get from Harry's perspective that there's a clock anywhere. Like I think we get at some point that Harry wears like a like a like a wristwatch, maybe. Yeah, because it breaks when he's in the in the lake. Yeah. But it's like at least I remember in school being like, if you're in a shitty class, you were watching that clock. You're being like so close, We're right? So close to the end of this class, right? So, or like I don't know, a giant clock tower. They they have a clock tower in the like, they have a clock in the movies, which a lot of the aesthetic I can't get behind. But like having a giant clock fits in with the aesthetics of Hogwarts. That's true. <laughs> it's just like like a giant like cl- gears and shit like kind of clock, right? The only other thing that I have here is a Trelawney prediction watch. Okay. So we get two predictions about Harry from her that he has difficult times ahead, which we already know is correct. Um, and then the thing that he fears will come to pass and soon, which I don't think is correct because I think the thing he fears is serious getting caught, which doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it could also be a reference to Voldemort coming back, which does happen. That's true, actually. Yeah. 
All right, cool. Two for two, Trelawney. Once again, get that. Get, someone give her a race. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give her a race. She's still a terrible teacher. That's fair. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Oh, I guess I really only have one thing, which is we get some uh, good old fashioned fat phobia from Malfoy here. Mm-hmm. Um, which is definitely treated much differently than the fat phobia that we've gotten in this book and other books previously. Yeah, that's a great point. Because the response is like, how dare you talk to Molly Weasley? Like, like how dare you talk about Molly Weasley like this? Mm-hmm. Which, yes, don't talk shit about fat people. Like, that's point blank. But it's like, oh, it's totally fine for like Harry to like talk shit about Dudley. Right. Well, because Dudley is bad and Molly is good. So. Mm-hmm. Only good fat people deserve to be uh, defended, is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, so this newspaper article, very, I to me, very bizarrely, says that Arthur shouldn't have involved the ministry in this like embarrassing situation or something like that. And I'm just like, isn't that exactly his job? Is dealing with muggle artifacts that have been tampered with to become magic? And, like, the repercussions of muggles interacting with those objects. Yeah. Like, isn't that his job description? (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, it is. And so, it is weird that that is the conclusion that she comes to. Because she starts off strong with being, like, the ministry seems to be fucking up like it did at at the Quidditch World Cup. But then it's sort of like, this is a situation where Arthur is doing the correct job. Right. And especially since there doesn't seem to be any way of healing or addressing Moody's extreme PTSD, it's kind of like, what like what else is supposed to happen? Right. It's not like she's complaining about like Moody not getting arrested. She's complaining about Arthur intervening in something that is exactly what he's supposed to intervene in. And not only that, but another, a whole other department was planning on intervening in the same thing if he hadn't done it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Just seems weird to me. Yeah, it does seem to be like clutching at straws for Rita, especially since Arthur Reese is a pretty easy target to go after. Like, he's sort of at, like, the bottom. Like, he may be, like, a scene with his colleagues, but, like, officially at sort of like the bottom rungs of the ministry hierarchy right you know? so it's kind of like it's like she started off strong but then it's like and then she, just, she takes a sharp left and you're like no that's actually not what, like what are you doing right uh which this probably could have been an education but whatever i think it's extremely irresponsible of moody to call attention in front of like a huge group of students to the fact that uh, Draco's dad and Snape were Death Eaters. Interesting. I know it's not explicit, but it's heavily implied. You know, he's like, your dad's an old friend of mine in a way that's clearly like, oh yeah, like your dad's going to be freaked out when he hears that I'm here. And then says it about Snape in the same way. Like, oh yeah, that's another another person I have a history with and everyone knows that he was an Aurora. And I just think that is super irresponsible. I feel like it is, but also a part of me is like, but he's just calling out the fact that they were death eaters, which is bad. And I'm kind of like, and 
Malfrey obviously has much less to do with any of that, at least at this junction in the book. But I don't know. I guess I have a little bit less sympathy because he's calling out not that like they're, you know, dead or disabled or like whatever. It's like, yeah, you guys were like, I know them because I really arrested them several times for being Death Eaters. And I'm kind of like, I just feel like doing especially Draco's dad because of the repercussions that will have on Draco in terms of like the way other students think about and talk about him and like he's not his parents he might be on a path to becoming his parents but currently he's 14 years old Mm. and that just I just don't think that like his family drama should be made public information any more than I think anyone else's should be and like the Snape thing, I don't know. I'm just like, they have to be in a classroom with him every day. I, it's not like a protection, a protective feeling for Lucius or for Snape. But like, I don't want these kids to be sitting in class with Snape feeling afraid if they don't have to be, you know, I feel protective towards the students. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like the kids are probably already afraid. Of right, exactly. And like, but I don't want the muggle born sitting in class being like, oh, this professor was, like, I see, murdering I see. people like me, you yes. know, 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. I just don't want them to have to carry that. That feels not good. Yeah. Which is why you shouldn't hire cops, ex-cops, cops at all to teach, because this probably isn't a thing that maybe real Moody would have done. I think it absolutely is. Also, a reason that you shouldn't hire uh, Nazis to teach at your school um honestly like this is yeah, a very don't... avoidable problem if you just yeah. didn't employ death eaters yeah don't employ cops don't employ nazis at your schools um this world is obviously sort of the outlier but in the real world often cops are in fact nazis and white supremacists so it's often the same thing yeah exactly. so yeah because yes we're not going to pretend that real moody is like a good cop because those don't exist so right exactly and my last thing here is something that i'm pretty sure which please talked about and that i don't know if i would have noticed if they hadn't talked about it so i want to make sure that credit is given hermione serves harry and ron dinner she wait what she dishes casserole onto all three of their plates that's so fucking weird and weird. Uh, what? I hate it what? So much. What? <laughs> it's just that's real bad. Wow. I took. I like didn't catch that at all. Oh no. Oh, that's real bad. It's so what bad. What the fuck? Like, has Ron ever dished food onto everyone's plates? Because I'm gonna go with no. Neither has Harry. Harry might. I believe. I I can see Harry doing it because he, that was like one of his jobs with the Dursleys. So I can see him unthinkingly doing it, but I cannot see JK Rowling writing him doing it. Um, Because serving is what women do, Lark. Oh, I know. Uh, Unless it's for punishment, like Harry had to do to to humiliate him. Right, exactly. Uh, Yeah, Ron has literally never served anyone but himself. No. And maybe even not himself at home, at least. I'm sure he has at Hogwarts, but... Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's real gross. That's... I have to keep you eye on that, too, but, like, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, scoundrel JKR just hates women. That's, that's just what's happening here. Sure is. 
Welcome to Advertisements, where we ask you for money and then make you laugh. All right, so I said we ask you for money, but actually this first one is not asking you for money. It's just an ad for us. I want to let you know about another podcast you might enjoy. If you love our queer takes on Harry Potter, we know you're going to love Escape from Reality, a podcast about the canonically queer Simon Snow series by Rainbow Rowell. The Simon Snow series is loosely an HP fan fiction and asks the question, what if Draco was a vampire in love with Harry? The sexual tension between them will hook you and the slow burn of the book will keep you riveted. Escape from Reality dives deep into that world with all the thoughtfulness, critique, and sex jokes you've come to expect from us with the bonus of getting to talk about canon gay kissing. So read the book if you haven't already and check out Escape from Reality in the podcatcher of your choice. Escape from Reality. That's escape with a gay. Come talk about an actually good book. Next up. If you or a loved one experienced abuse or injury at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, you may be entitled to compensation. (laughs) Hogwarts has a long history of avoidable student injury and dangerous punishments with long-lasting repercussions. Judicate and Sons Law Firm can help. Call 0800-HOG-HURT today to get your free consultation. (laughs) The call is free. The advice is free. That's 0800-464-4878 to get your free consultation. (laughs) Judicate and Sons Law Firm. We went to Hogwarts too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, All right. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. I only have one thing in this in this chapter. Okay. In this section, which is, I feel like there's like a sort of a theme, maybe not a theme, like a vibe of this chapter, which is, I don't want to say like totally about like, don't be deceived by looks, but like a little bit where, I mean, we have the like Berber tubers, Ber- uh, whatever they're pronounced, which are like seriously horrifying looking, but it's like has medicinal properties. Mm-hmm. And we have the, Blasted skirts, which don't have any properties, but it's like, maybe they could. Just because they're like these terrible, horrifying insect creatures doesn't mean that they can't be like a good thing for us to raise, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, a lie. But um, And then, of course, we have Moody himself uh, sort of introduced firmly as a character. I mean, this chapter and next chapter, we get a more sense of his character, or at least the character of fake Moody. Which is like, I mean, the book's biggest, don't be deceived by looks Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) in this. And so I just thought it was kind of like interesting that it's like, it just has like a thematic vibe, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, So one more thing about Rita's article is that Malfoy says that it's embarrassing that they got Arthur's name wrong. Uh, Like embarrassing to Arthur, embarrassing to like the Weasley family. I'm pretty sure that's embarrassing for the newspaper, actually, and not embarrassing for the Weasleys at all. Like, you're supposed to fact check. You're supposed to have an editor. Yeah, where's the copy editor at the Daily Prophet? It doesn't exist, no, I apparently. Don't think so. no. Because that's a pretty huge correction. Like, that's a pretty huge, like, we misspelled the lead person's name, like, twice. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really bad uh, reporting. It's like the fucking BuzzFeed of 
newspapers. It's like, it's not even, I feel like it's not even BuzzFeed. It's like Medium, maybe. You just write it and post it. No oversight. Yeah. And everyone's being like, yes, this is a reputable news source. It's just the only one. Oh my god. I feel like kind of along those lines, it is rude to like post a photo of the Weasley's house. Oh my god, you're right. That's so rude. Like, that's basically doxing them. Like, what? You Like, who? What? Yeah. No, you're so right. Um, okay, so my only other thing here is, would Barty Crouch Jr. actually be as good at magic as Mad-Eye Moody? Interesting. It's just, I mean, he was like 18 or something when he went to prison, and he's been essentially locked up for the last 14 years, 15 years, whatever, a long time. It just, he hasn't had a chance to even do any magic since mm-hmm. a long time ago. I just feel yeah. like he wouldn't really even know all these spells and he wouldn't necessarily be that good at casting them. And different people are different levels of powerful. Yeah. I mean, okay, so I'm, I'm of two minds about this. I think that either he just has a lot of raw power that to compensate for this. Mm-hmm. Or... B, he's just really good at doing the cruel shit. Because we get in this chapter, he turns Malfoy into a ferret and mm-hmm. like smacks him against the floor. And in the next chapter, we get him torturing spiders. And mm-hmm. like, those are sort of the, that's, that's sort of like the standout magic we get. And then we get at the beginning of the book, the, or I guess the end of the book, him overpowering Moody and putting him under one of the unforgivable curses. So he's clearly good at spells that hurt people <laughs> and yeah. unforgivable and like, I guess, brewing polyjuice potion, which I mean, everyone says it's hard, but Hermione did it as a 12 year old. So I guess if you're precocious enough, it could it can be done. Yeah. And I think the Death Eaters were using a ton of polyjuice potion, right? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. So I think he's either just incredibly powerful or he's just like really good at causing harm, which considering his history wouldn't be surprising. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. What a good section this is. <laughs> so despite being called Bobo tubers, and tuber, you know, obviously meaning like root stuff, this plant, just from the description, sounds like a, just a very weird and goth magical succulent Mm -hmm. like it's fleshy and you know they're sort of like popping it and there's like liquid inside of it and it's just like a it's just a very goth like aloe Mm -hmm. and sort of like aloe it's like yeah there's liquid inside you use it for healing i mean obviously aloe wasn't going to burn your skin like it's like this stuff is but no the opposite you use it for burns use it for burns yes uh so that, that was all. I just think this is a succulent and not... Because they don't even mention anything about the roots, which is what you would think for something that had tuber in the word. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that, that leads really well to my first health and science, which is that I am really frustrated that they're not working with IRL magic plants in herbology. I wish that it wasn't just made-up plants or wasn't... Yeah, I guess some made-up plants is fine, but... I like what I just feel like wouldn't it be so cool if this lesson was them making a liniment of witch hazel and aloe 
for acne, which is great for acne. Right. And, like, those are real things that real witches use. And you could you could have just been an extra goth aloe, too. Like, <laughs> sure. which is, again, essentially what this is. But it could have been, like, in here is, like, black aloe or witch's aloe. And it's, like, a magical plant. And here's some witch hazel. And we're going to, like, you know, cut some of the leaves open. And, yeah, like, literally anything. Yeah. Use so. the bark of witch hazel. But, yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess you use the, the gel of the aloe, but yes, you use the... Actually, I didn't use... No, you used the bark. I thought you used the leaves. But anyway... I'm pretty sure it's the bark. That is such a good point, because I feel like I've read so many fan fictions that everyone's just like, okay, so not a lot of magical plants, but obviously a lot of IRL magical plants that have deep symbolism and healing properties. So we're just going to throw all of it fucking into these, into these stores. And it... It just makes so much, it makes so much more sense than right, like creating so many fake things. Yeah, I mean the mandrakes are actually pulled from like, I mean not maybe not the resurrecting petrified people, but like mandrakes having sort of sentience and you know being tiny tiny humanoid things. I think is pulled from actual mythology, which is cool, and I would like more of that and less like boba tubers and devil's snare and whatever else they work with yeah i do think we maybe and maybe it's less like using magical stuff but at least irl ingredients and potions Mm -hmm. which is funny because it's like what is all this stuff in herbology herbology for i mean if it's in this chapter we get that it's clearly the goo is being given to i mean honestly it might just be giving be giving giving it to snape to like make this shit you know, mm-hmm. unless like Madame Pomfrey is brewing all of the medical supplies, which is a possibility. Right. Yeah. But I, I mean, I guess maybe all of the things that we've seen so far are med- like medicinal in terms of they'd be in the hospital wing instead of in potions. Although yeah. it seems like it would be good to teach kids how to brew medicinal potions and not also just that too. The draft of death and whatever the fuck else. Yeah. Actually, I feel like you bring this up is actually a really good point because then I'm like, the herbology classes should be the coolest part of this book, and it really isn't. And part of it is that obviously Harry, well, two things. Obviously, Harry is interested in herbology as much as he is defense of the dark arts, and scoundrel J.K.R. doesn't care about writing about herbology so much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's so many cool and useful things I think as a witch you could be learning in this world about herbology yeah they should really be brewing things in herbology it seems like it's really just like child labor like they're just yeah. harvesting things <laughs> yeah and it's like right they should be like growing things and like learning the parts of the plant like harry isn't learning any of that shit no um or like the right soil mixtures or the watering and like le- like how do you grow a booba t- like a berber tuber like what does it need right which is why Neville's like, clearly, not only is Neville one of the best Gryffindors, if not one of the best kids in the story, but like, he's going to have all the, all the useful fucking knowledge. It's true. He's going to be the best witch of all. Yeah, you, you, you definitely want that him. You definitely want him leading your uh, child soldier resistance in book seven, mm-hmm. because he knows about all the fucking healing herbs and shit. Yep. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, what do you have next? <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about skirts, the blasted skirts okay. at this level in their development. 
as I think we get throughout the book, they're clearly some sort of like invertebrate crustacean thing because mm-hmm. they have these like squishy periods and then they like grow into like different sort of like growth stages. But right now they have stingers and suckers. <laughs> Which, besides it being, again, horrifying and throw them all into the sea, uh, they're kind of like, I guess, like a, like a snail or like a leech right now. Where it's like, yeah, it's like they're blood-sucking and potentially, and obviously carnivorous if they have stingers. So either for hunting or for defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think we could probably say carnivorous is right. what it is. It's just like, everything about this is horrifying. They're so upsetting i want to say i don't think we should throw them into the sea because i think they are crustaceans and i think they would be an invasive species and would very quickly take mm. over the ocean yeah you're right you <laughs> are correct. do something else with them i don't know what that thing is throw them into a well i don't know bury them maybe i don't know humanely euthanize them Honestly, probably even horrifying creatures deserve to be humanely euthanized if you're going yeah. to do that. <clears throat> yeah. You know, maybe the pack of uh, hippogriffs that Hagrid knows will eat them. So Maybe. Yeah, they're, they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look forward to being horrified for so many more chapters. I know. All the way through the damn book. Yeah. All right. Uh, my last thing is I, I don't understand why they're learning astrology and divination. I have up until this point assumed that that's what they were learning in astronomy because like otherwise astronomy is just like a hard science and yeah. I don't know what good it is to like witchcraft unless it's being applied to astrology. Yeah. So that should be one class like learning to like identify the planets and whatever and then learning what they mean in your witch practice like this should not be a divination no class you're very correct actually i hadn't occurred to me before yeah what are they doing in astronomy sky charts i don't know yes but for what i mean i assume you know you need to know like where you know planets are and stuff to make different potions i think we've we've heard that but like that usually means like what house is the planet in you know yeah. it's not just like where is it in the sky because that doesn't really mean anything um you know witchiness wise unless you know what part of like what house that part of the sky is because mm-hmm. you could be like mars is at you know 45 degrees whatever but like i think it's more relevant if it's like mars is in capricorn when you make yeah. the potion or whatever so yeah i think it's real weird yeah no you're right yeah i don't know yeah and unless i mean unless astronomy is like them learning the basics of whatever how to do the calculations that they're using for their star charts but how would you do that without talking about like a star chart right exactly it it should just be one class and this is making me think back to my last point which is that it would be really fucking cool if they were learning real uh tenants of biodynamic farming in herbology because that involves a ton of like stuffing cow horns with crystals and burying them like on the new moon uh, you know the first new moon of spring or whatever like that's that's 
real witchcraft that totally yeah. applies. That would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be. This is actually, that's also a thing that actually comes up in a lot of fan fiction with people being like, actually, we're just going to fill out the rest of this confusing and basic education that Harry is getting with. Right. Things that are affected by the, the sky and the stars and the, like, astrology. Because, like, right, because, like, all of the astrological signs, like, since we're moving in space and everything else is moving, it's, like, there's different stuff with the sky every day, different parts of the year, so. Yeah. And, like, that definitely affects magic. How is there not a single mention of, like, Mercury and retrograde in these fucking books? Oh, my God. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So what is your last thing? My last thing is about ferrets, which this infamous scene. Wait, where is Harry's star chart coming in? Oh, shit. You're right. Okay. Hold on. I do you want to close with that or close with the ferrets? Let's close with the star chart if that's cool with you. Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay. So my frick is turned into a ferret in Mm -hmm. this chapter very infamously. And... In case, and I was thinking, like, why, why a ferret? Why is Malfoy turning into a ferret? Mm-hmm. Besides his, I don't know, Weasley little personality. <laughs> but, okay. And maybe it's like, maybe this is what his Animagi form would be. Is a ferret. Who knows? I don't know how that works. I don't know how this spell worked. Because was he going, was Moody going for a ferret? Or just any other random animal, small animal for him to, like, bash against the rocks? I don't know. Or the rocks, the stone floor but in general weasels were thought to be witches familiars in the 17th century in europe possible connection and specifically ferrets are like the only species of like domesticated weasel mm-hmm. that exists there i mean historically used for hunting basically until like the like 50s and 60s when people are like oh we should have them as pets didn't uh hecate have a like a pet polecat in Greek mythology. Um, if she did, polecats are actually the, like, you know, like, you know, we selected pressure, or we, like, whatever you want to call them when we domesticate animals, like wolves from dogs. Mm. Polecats are what ferrets are hmm. descended from. And just like wolves and dogs, they can interbreed, which apparently is a problem in New Zealand, where there are ferret polecat hybrid colonies that are of course decimating the local species because the New Zealand didn't have predators before white people showed up and fucked everything up so so yeah but also in general like there have been like some weasels like ermines that have been sort of like associated with like royalty but I think probably it's the weasels as an animal of like thing that animal like a witch is familiar kind of animal is Mm -hmm. probably why also I know this is very cruel, but it's also very funny. Oh, what Moody does? Oh, no, just Draco becoming a white ferret specifically. <laughs> and this, like, beady red <laughs> <laughs> just... I mean, I, I think ferrets are cute. I do not think the white ones... Like, I don't know what their red eyes. You're just like, actually, I'm, I'm good. I'm good on That's this. That's funny. And it's just, I don't know. It's like, oh, Malfoy, of course you would be mm-hmm. white ferret. He totally would. <sighs> um, I, I checked. Hecate did have a polecat and a black dog. And she's like totally the goddess of like 
magic and witchery. So that association could be like thousands of years old, which is pretty rad. Yeah, I mean, according to Wikipedia, uh, the domestication of fairies, they've been domesticated for at least 2000 years. That's so rad. Yeah. Wow. I know. I, I would have been like, oh, wow, that's a real, like, like ancient Egyptians had like hunting fairies. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. <laughs> that's so cool. I had no idea. Yeah, obviously they're not used for hunting really much anymore. And in a lot of places, because of the way that they will eat birds and small critters are, I mean, since they're like feral ferrets, because people will fucking let their ferrets out, which please don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they will decimate a local population. Kind of like, cats will yeah pretty infamously put bells on your cats put bells in your cats or just don't let your cat outside just buy buy a cat tree like what do you do when, come not on. all cats are willing to be indoor cats that There's is true. like some cats that will be just miserable and angry and depressed if they don't get to go outside yeah so yeah ferrets <laughs> well, selection of facts about ferrets that's awesome <laughs> um you gonna tell me about Harry Star Chart? I am. Okay, so I have. Uh, I created a Harry Potter birth chart without, since we don't know the time of his birth, just on his birth date. And because the location is also important, I found a very in depth article on someone's very old school looking website about where the fuck they think Godric Hollow is. Um, so they. So it's like paragraphs and paragraphs of detailed research using context clues from the book. And they, and this person thinks that the likely location of Godric's Hollow is near Weston Supermare in Somerset. So using that location and Harry's birth date, uh, plugged it into, of course, one of the many websites you can get, Star Chart. And we have, of course, Harry's son in Leo, as Mm -hmm. we all know, but Mm -hmm. his moon in Pisces. (laughs) Yes, which we've talked about before. <laughs> which we have talked about. So accurate. And then a bunch of his other uh, planets in their corresponding signs. And in, in this chapter, we have Trelawney bringing up a lot of... She says... Did she say Jupiter or Saturn? Saturn. We do technically have Saturn showing up twice in his star chart. Under Saturn, of course, but also under Jupiter. Which is just twice. I'm kind of like, huh. what Trelawney is talking about. I don't know either. It's so weird because like every single kid in that classroom has Saturn in the same sign. Like they're all going to have their Saturn returns at the same time because Saturn is in one sign for like three years approximately. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know. I mean, this could also just be Scoundrel JKR not having done any research about how star charts work and just making some shit up. It could be. I mean, in general, she seems to have been very careful about choosing at least what uh, sun sign all of the characters had. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really don't know. I really don't know what this means. I don't either. So I like that his Mercury is in Cancer. That seems like it checks out to me. Is Mercury Mercury's your rising sign, right? No, Mercury is like communication and I mean, all the things that go wrong when Mercury is in retrograde, that's what it governs. Mm-hmm. And Cancer is very emotional and a little selfish. And I think it just really makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, um, he has his Venus in Gemini. Venus obviously is like love and romance. Uh, Gemini is very fickle and uh, changes its mind a lot. 
feel like that makes sense given how many crushes Harry always has at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, cool. Fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. This podcast and our other podcasts are all creations of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. If you want to support us, you can give the show uh, top marks on iTunes, five stars, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, It helps us find new listeners and it makes us feel like we're not just screaming into the void. (laughs) Uh, You can also... Tell your friends about us and like us on social media. We're at The Gaily Prophet on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you are inclined to support us financially, you can find us on Patreon under The Gaily Prophet. We recently put out an episode, a uh, like advice episode about ADHD in honor of ADHD Awareness Month. That was really fun and cool to make. So if you want to hear us oversharing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is a symptom of adhd (laughs) (laughs) yep um if you want to follow or find me on the internet i'm on instagram at lark malachi and my website is larkmalachi.com where you can get a tarot reading from me uh you can find me on twitter at jesse underscore detroit or on instagram at live from detroit um, our show art's by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. And until next time. <clears throat> Ferreting. Leech. High. Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent.